Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Carlton Blue podcast. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined by a special guest this afternoon. It's Villa on Tours' Max Stokes in the lovely black shirt this this, uh, this season's kit. Max, how are you, mate? You okay? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thanks for having me on. Uh, let's yeah. chat some Villa then because uh, it's a little bit interesting this start to the season, isn't it? So, yeah, thanks for having me on, mate. Yeah, interesting is one word for it. I think in the qu- first question I've got for you, I've, I've described it as a bumpy start. Um, <laughs> trying to be calling there, probably. We're going to do a little Q&A. So this is uh, an exclusive uh, exclusive Facebook Live episode. So anyone who's watching this live on Tuesday afternoon, put a question to Max and I'll flash them up on screen and ask them to him, keep keep the language clean though, so I can actually show them on screen. Um, I've got a couple of questions to start off with um, while people join the stream. We'll start in, in order, really, before we start talk about the start of the season, let's talk about the transfer window. Obviously, Villa did a lot of business early doors and some business late doors, which was probably unexpected at one stage. How do you assess the kind of transfer window overall if you had to grade it out of 10, let's say? Oh, out of ten, um, probably six and a half. Pretty okay. bang average, I think. I mean, if it wasn't for deadline day, I'd think I'd probably give it a five or a, a push six. I think we definitely had to do something on deadline day, didn't we? I think we've all mm. been crying out for a midfielder for so so long. And then Donker, I'm happy with it. To be fair, I'm really happy to see what he can do. I thought he might have come in against Man City. Um, obviously, there's some sort of injury there, but I think he's a type of player that we've been crying out for a little bit. And I think if you put him next to Kamara, there's a different option there in terms of playing two of them deep rather than just Kamara on his own because he struggled a bit on his own this season. But yeah, apart from that, it was all, it seems like ages ago, doesn't it? Coutinho, Carlos and mm-hmm. Kamara. But no, pretty happy with it, mate. Could have been better, could have been worse. Pretty average. Mm, when we spoke about it on deadline day evening, I think we all settled for a five or a five and a half out of ten. Then I stayed at one stage when Villa signed Carlos and Kamara in about a week of each other. I was like, oh, let's not faff around on deadline day. We don't want any nonsense at the back yeah. end of the window. Let's get it all done early. And then, you know, like I said on that, we only participated in the window for about seven days, two or three at the start and three or four at the end. And, and that was basically it. We kind of missed out the whole middle section. You know, your new signing centre-back gets injured on first home game of the yeah. season you do have to act don't you and uh, it's right that the club did what they did I think and now you have to back the players and hope that they you know, get the best out of the players that were there already as well don't you yeah I'm, I'm pretty happy that we've got enough players in each position now it was a bit I thought the whole SAR thing was very strange in terms of you know Bailey's our only out and out winger with Sol Traore, El Ghazi, Trezeguet etc and we were going for Saar does that say that he's going to change the system or is it just an option to come off the bench I'm not sure I thought that was a bit of a strange one and then obviously that fell through um, but now all in all pretty bang average I'm, I'm happy with it I guess Yeah difficult start to, to the season given the fixtures we, we've had on paper you kind of look at it and think oh you know, we might be on seven or nine points for the first three games what a start that'll be and didn't think quite materialise that way um, you've been to every game I, I'm pretty sure you have um, yeah. filming obviously for, for the Villa on Tour YouTube channel which I'll stick a link to below but I mean if anyone doesn't know who you are at this point then I'd, I'd be surprised um, 
you've been in the stadium, you've seen every minute of football. How have you um, assessed that start for us? Minus Saturday, it's been absolutely terrible. Absolutely terrible, I think. I like, there's no dressing up. There's not, unfortunately. It's just the fact, I mean, if people watch my videos, it's rinse and repeat, isn't it? Every single game, just Sounds no identity. <laughs> exactly. So that's why Saturday was so refreshing and nice because it was nice to be positive and say something good and be proud about the team rather than just sounding like a broken record and no identity each week and no player know what they're doing and nobody knows where they need to be. No fan in the stadium doesn't doesn't know what we're trying to do. So yeah, it's it, it wasn't great at all. And like you said, on on paper, those starts that starts of the season, there was winnable fixtures in there and, you know, Crystal Palace and Everton sides, you'd want to push on and, and be ahead of this season. But just not materialised and it's it's been disappointing. I just hope that Saturday can be that turning point that we all hope it can be because it was was very, very impressive. You know, yeah, Gerard yeah. In, in all of the games that he's played against Man City, he, he seems to know what he's doing. Okay, we collapsed on the final day last season, but up until sort of that weird five-minute spell, we did really, really well. So he, he's shown there that he knows what he's doing and he can set up sides well. Mm. It's just bizarre in, in games like Bournemouth and Palace, we look absolutely horrible. So, yeah, I, d- I don't know. I think hopefully, like I said, it's a turning point. And there's, I'm not going to say winnable games because Leicester have got decent players, but we need to capitalise on their form now and, and put the nail in the coffin for Rodgers. And that's our next game. If we can win that and then, you know, get a decent result against Southampton, you go into that international break in a good place. And hopefully, like I said, we can turn this season around because I think it, it's much needed. Perfect time. A question from, from Sean Finnegan who asks, how many points do you think we'll get out of those next four games? Darren Bent highlighted this on TalkSport uh, earlier this morning or last night that Villa need to win two out of those four games to save Gerard's job I think was the phrase he used so Leicester City Southampton Leeds and Forest those Leeds and Forest after that international break how many points do you think we need from those to you know kind of kick on now I think you want to look at two points per game if you're being optimistic so let's go seven or eight points I'd say I think Leicester you've got to win that you've just got to go in there and take them to the sword and just absolutely like I said, put the nail in the coffin for Rogers. Southampton at home on a Friday night. I'm sure Friday nights are always pretty lively at Villa Park. So that should be a winnable game. And then just see what happens over the international break if we sort ourselves out. And Leeds are a bit of a hit and miss size. So I don't really know what to make of them. And then Forest had a few mm-hmm. decent results at the start of the season, but, you know, lost at home to Bournemouth. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, two points a game. I'll probably take that. And hopefully we can hit a bit of form. Seven or eight points, I'll go with. I saw somebody say, like, you know, you've got to win the next two games, Leicester and Southampton. Leicester away is as much as they're bottom of the league and they've not had a, a good start and it all looks a little bit stale there. Still, it's still not an easy game. I mean, there's no easy game yeah. in the Premier League. Southampton should be winnable, like you say, as, as a home game. You target every home game. You've got to get something at home, you know, as, as a good foundation. Leeds, 50 50 toss a call and they could be brilliant yeah, or terrible. Exactly. Even Forest, to, to a lesser extent, I've watched them a couple of times and thought, you know, they, they do look half decent, but throwing away a 2 0 lead to Bournemouth the other day, you think, let's get a clean sheet. That, that's yeah. what I want. I want a clean sheet. Like, it's been I said that before, man. I was like, can we just get Aston Villa nil before anything else? Exactly. I don't care about any, any anything further for than that. Don't yeah. concede as a good base first. Exactly. Um, Back to basics. That's what you've got to do. Because that's what Gerard did when he came in, wasn't mm. it? We, we, we were hard to beat. And we yeah. we absolutely lost that at the start of this season. So we, when we lost it back into last season as well, we looked resolute yeah. and you kind of had these short little passing triangles and you thought, right, they're going to be compact and sit in. Um, there's always been problems when we were asked to break a side down and the onus is on us. But you know, when we can sit back on the counter attack and soak up pressure, we do look like a half decent side with with Watkins and Bailey with a bit of pace up there. I thought Watkins was was really good against Man City. By the way, it's how do you then break teams down when when you have got to go and do that, which we have probably got to go and do in the next couple of games, and and that's where we might struggle potentially. 
that's what that's what frustrated me about Gerard. Like he, he seemed to regress because we, we, like we said, when he first came in, we were hard to beat and we absolutely lost that. And like we just said, then we don't know why. Um, so that's what frustrated me. The, the reason Smith got sacked was because there was no progression, and it absolutely seemed up until Saturday that that Gerard was going the same way, if not backwards. So mm. I keep saying it. Let's hope it's a turning point, but we're proofs in the pudding, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Matt Smith says the only way is up. I totally agree. And Ian says win against Leicester, draw Southampton, draw Leeds and win against Forest. I mean, unbeaten in four would be a real statement of you know going forward and, and that Man City was the turning point. We hope it was. Um, question from Scott. He says, same line-up as Man City game? Cheers, lads. Thanks for watching, um, Scott. Thanks for your question. Um, what do you think about that, that line-up against Man City? I thought Ramsey did well. I thought he's he's mm. been a little bit disappointing for a while, Jacob Ramsey, unfortunately. But there's a player there. You don't lose it, do you? And I think he's he's been up probably in the last 12, 18 months, he's been our brightest player in terms of the way he carries the ball and no one else can really do that. Um, so no, I liked it actually. I really did like it. I was a little bit sceptical in it going into the game, but it proved to be the right decision. But against the Leicester side where it's obviously not going to be the same type of game as Man City, I'm not sure. But that, who, who do you bring in? Is, is Gerard going to do the thing where he, he plays Coutinho or, uh, or Buendia I'm not sure I'd probably keep it the same why would you change a winning team I don't know I, I'd keep it the same person. a winning team steady on oh yeah so it felt like a win it felt like a win I don't know <laughs> um, Charlotte says lots of fans have said McGinney's rest thoughts John McGinn's a difficult one. Just his performances, first of all, on the pitch. What have you made of him in, in the opening six games? Yeah, not good enough. It's it's not good enough from John McGinn. And it says it all when, when Gerald's taking his captain off. You know, we all we all thought when he got given the captain to say, oh, that means that McGinn's going to play 90 minutes of every single game. But McGinn has been disappointing. And I don't like singling players out, but it's a fact he, he, he has been disappointed, unfortunately. But it's annoying because we know there's a player there. And I just think... You know, when uh, we brought Kamara in, the question was, is McGinn going to be given that licence to go forward like he does for Scotland and score goals? Because that's one thing for me as well. McGinn doesn't score enough goals or get mm. involved going forward. So I don't really know what he is. And yeah, he has that lapse of concentration where, you know, he, he won't pass the ball to the right player or he'll make a stray pass or lack of control. I don't know. I think he's been disappointing for a long time, really. And that's why I was crying out for another number eight in the transfer window to give that competition to Ramsey and McGinn to level them up. Because I absolutely mm. think they needed it. And you know, you know what? Gerard's the right man for McGinn, you think. You know, one of the best midfielders to ever play in the Premier League. You'd think he's the man to take McGinn to that next level, but it, we haven't quite seen it yet, which is disappointing. But yeah, I think there's there's a player there. That's the disappointing thing. I just we haven't seen it for a long time now, which is really disappointing. We spoke about it in our pre-season preview that we did when there was questions over Mings and we said, you know, who who could it be? And I think they announced it as McGinn the following day. So I cut it out of the episode. But we all kind of said that Martinez would probably be a good shout because he will play every game and then there's kind of no debate about it. He's not going to get subbed off and stuff like that. What do you think about it though? Is that the right choice as captain? when it first happened I was a bit like oh, okay I didn't really have a feeling towards it I was like oh that's not very inspiring but uh, it's not gonna you know I'm not that bothered about it the fact that he takes him off during games shows that McGinn can't hide and I quite like that but uh, yeah Martinez for me I, I I know people maybe don't but I like a goalkeeper as a captain I don't know like you said he's gonna play every game we know that I quite like a goalkeeper as a captain we all know what Emmy Martinez is about we all saw the clips against Man City where he was fist bumping the North Stand and stuff like that I love that and he's absolutely he's a brilliant leader you know there's no doubt about that but from a Ming's perspective as well taking the captaincy off him seems to have done him wonders because I, I think when, you know when he's come in this season he's been brilliant absolutely fantastic um, you know there's been talk about 
defensively problems this season, but I don't think that's down to him at all. I think Cotton's has had a poor start to the season. Um, Luca Dean, not that much better. So Mings has been great. And, you know, that's that's shown by the fact that he dealt with Haaland. Yes, Haaland scored at the weekend, but on the whole, he did really well. So, yeah, I like it from a Mings perspective in terms of taking the captaincy off him. It seems to be going well, but giving it to McGinn, not totally sure. Is there a possibility that McGinn can play that similar role that Ramsey played against Man City and have that licence to be a bit further forward and still have a proper three-man midfield behind him? Kamara, Louise and Dendonka perhaps. And McGinn plays a slightly further forward role. I think it's an option. I'd like to see it. I, I think we've, we're blessed with loads of talent going forward. So I don't think it's ever going to happen because mm. we've simply got loads of players who can do that role. It, Wendy and Coutinho are going to sit on the bench and McGinn's going to play that sort of 10 role or slightly out wide like Ramsey did. I don't know. I would quite like to see it because, like I mentioned, Scotland, he scores goals and when he's in the box, he usually finishes it. So we haven't seen that enough of Villa over the last few years. So I would like to see it. I just can't see it because of Wendy and Coutinho and the way Gerard likes to play them as well in that in that similar role. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I probably can't see it. Is there a question from Matt Smith? Is there any other 37-year-old gems out there on a free? <laughs> Clare and Ashley Young <laughs> quick. I'll tell you what, I was. I said on the podcast after the game that once Cash went down injured and was coming off, I kind of thought, oh God, Ashley Young coming on. What's what's, this, what's going to happen here? This could be a, a Mullering uh, back here. Brilliant though. Really, really good. Yeah. Surprisingly good for his age. He still looks as fit as he did at 20, 21, 22. And you know, that's a real option there now. And I think there was talk when Kane Kazahayden went out on loan that, you know, that gives Cash no competition. And I don't think 37-year-old Ash Young is going to give Cash competition, you know, in the long run and he's not going to play 30-odd games ahead of him. But I was concerned there wasn't that that cover there. Um, obviously, Gilbert's totally out of the picture. So if Cash gets in, is, is it concert right back or something like that? But, you know, that Man City game is proof that Ash Young can still do a job at, at 37, Connor. He was absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And I shared the same view, you know, when he came on, I was like, oh God. He, I started kind of something to my seat and was like, oh, Ash yeah. Young. Well. I was like, oh, game over. He could get absolutely murdered. But <laughs> fair play. He, he just seems to have that new lease of life every single season. Mm. It's like, oh, is, is it going to be his last? And, you know, when he, a couple of times when he came on last season, he was all right. But I was like, mm, is, is he the answer? I'm not totally sure. But he's absolutely shut me up because he was absolutely fantastic. That The one that stood out for me was when he absolutely shoulder-barged uh, De Bruyne to the floor and De Bruyne is throwing his arms around when he's absolutely not a foul. We go yeah. at the other end and nearly score. That's what you want. He just seems to have that fight. And, you know, when in a struggling Villa side, and I've said it all season, we don't have that fight or desire. He comes on and does that. It's just it's just from a leadership point of view, you know, the younger players looking up to him. That's what you want to be. So, yeah, brilliant. And if Cash is injured at the weekend against Leicester, I wouldn't turn my nose about Ashley Young at all. I think he's, you know, as long as he keeps that consistency. I wouldn't turn my nose up at all. He's, he's fantastic. Yeah, the only thing you would question with, Cash, uh, with, with Young, sorry, is his age and his fitness. But he's clearly that's clearly not an issue. He seems, like I said before, he seems as fit as he's ever been. So if Cash isn't available, if if Ash Young can have a performance like that against the best side in the league, one of the best sides in Europe, Leicester City away shouldn't be. I mean, it doesn't quite work like that. But Leicester City away shouldn't give him too many problems if he can do it against Manchester City. Scott says, "I love the idea of Kamara and Dendonka protecting the defence and setting off attacks." I think that Dendonka signing, as much as he might not have been, you know, this flashy fifty million player that we were looking for, and Possibly wasn't even on Villa's list to be to, to begin with. You know, signing one deadline day was even available. Um, to have that that option to change to a, a two man midfield double pivot of Kamara and Dendonka, a bit of height, a bit of physicality, stop attacks, give it to Brendia, Coutinho, Bailey, Watkins, Ings, Archer, whichever one of those attacking exciting players there is. That feels a, a little bit nice, doesn't it? To have those options rather than just going right, we've got three midfielders, we've probably got four to pick from. 
McGinn and Ramsey do a similar role and we, we look kind of flooded in midfield and don't look quite right. Having those two in there as an option, whether it, you know, we see it or not, that's um, good to have, isn't it? It's good to have those options in midfield now. Yeah, 100%. I think it's a really good sign and I really do. I think it's, it's a decent thing for the, you know, what was it, 12, 13 million for an experienced Premier League international. I think you mm. cannot turn your nose up at that at all. Still a good age mixed... as well. Oh yeah, fantastic. What is it, 27? 27, I think. Approaching his prime, yeah. And I've, I've heard mixed things from Wolves fans, but I just think he kind of got forced out of there in the end because, you know, the way Wolves are going, they're signing player after player. They've already signed a couple of midfielders um, this summer. So I think he needs it, Dendonka, as much as Villa need it, just to, you know, mm. give him that bit of a refresh. He probably won't move house, you know, so he won't be, he won't need that bedding in time, hopefully. Um, I'm just speculating there, but that's what it looks like. So, no, I think it's really good signing. And like you touched on, it's great to have the option of Kamara and somebody else because I think in the early parts of this season, Kamara was so isolated because the way that, you know, McGinn and whoever else is playing in midfield seem to wander off. And we've all seen the average mm. position maps where the players are absolutely all over the place. So it'd be nice to have that little bit more strength and security in midfield in terms of Dendonka and Kamara. And then, like you said, it allows the fur- the, for- the the further players forward to just unleash themselves and have fun a little bit rather than having to worry about, oh, McGinn's playing left back or Luca Dean's on <laughs> the left corner flag or, yeah, it's a little bit more security. So um, it's a great option to have. And yeah, like you said, he's not flashy, but... You know, we've been crying out for a bit of physicality in midfield for a long, long time. So I'm excited to see what he can do. The comment here from Matt says that Dendonka isn't Portuguese enough for Wolves. <laughs> I don't know whether this is true or not, but let's just go that it is. Jamie says that Dendonka's running stats are the third wow. best in the league. Um, That's what we need. That's what we, we do need. need the legs in there to cover a bit of ground and just keep possession. When we were getting prepared for the Man City podcast, you know, I was sitting there for the first half an hour. And the first half an hour, to be fair, I thought... You know, I think we'll be lucky to even get to nil nil at half time at this at this rate. But I was prepared to come on here and be like, mm, I'm not quite sure this this is working still. Because you can't keep the ball. That's such a problem for Villa. It's been a problem for a long time. You you win possession back and it gets to John McGeehan or Ramsey or whoever it might be, and they give it away within two seconds. I think there was a stage when Douglas Louise did a little flick round somebody and it fell back to McGinn and he lost instantly. It's oh, just had some good work there from Louise. We can't hold on to the ball and you just want someone in there who's going to break it up, move it on to the next player and keep possession. Opposition can't score if you've got the ball. It's yeah. boiling down to as simple as it is. But if you keep the ball better, you've got less chance. Um, there's so many times where we're defending the box and Mings will head it away or whatever and there's just no one there and it's just back on you again and back on you again until it eventually goes out for throwing or a goal kick and you can reset again. You need someone to get on the ball and keep it and, and move play on. Hopefully Dendonk and Kamara can form a bit of a relationship, whether it's in a two or a three. And then I think that third start is available from the Guin, Louise or Ramsey, depending on what position we're playing. Just on Louise quickly, that's not a specific question from the comments, but Rick said that Louise and Kamara did that job on Saturday as in you know, a bit of a double pivot in the middle with McGinn um, kind of running off the right-hand side. Um, are you happy that Louise stayed or would you have cashed in on deadline day? No, I would have kept him. I would. I, it's not like we're desperate for money, is it? I'd have kept him. Yes, we might lose him for you know, nothing next summer, but we can't afford to let a midfielder go when we're so desperate for another one on top of Louise. Like, we don't yeah. need someone to replace him. We need somebody on top of him as well. Um, so, no, I think he's a great player. I think he's frustrated me in the past couple of years just because he can have that lapse of concentration and can do something stupid. I think yeah, that Bolton goal... Yeah, own box. Yeah, that Bolton goal was down to him, I think, where he just fell over and he was a little bit weak. So, if you've got Dendonka and Kamara and Louise plays potentially a little bit further forward, it gives him that licence to go forward. Everybody's touched on that. He's not a six, he's an eight. Um, so I'd like to see him in that role. And don't get me wrong, he was absolutely fantastic against Man City at the weekend. 
Um, mm. But I just want to see him in that slightly different role and maybe playing two in that double pivot gives him that license too. But yeah, I'm 100% buzzing that we kept him because I think he's a, a really good player and the only way is up for him. Abdul says, this is in, in reference to Dendonk and Kamara playing as a two. A good shout, that would allow Kamara to play in a slightly more advanced position in certain games and really use his passing ability. That said, who would you go for as an attacking trio behind the striker? So assuming Ooh. it's a 4-2-3-1 and it's one up front, who plays in that three behind? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's a great question. I don't know because Coutinho, there's no doubt about it, has been really disappointing. He has. There's no getting away from it. He's been disappointing for a while now. Wendy can hide in games as well, but I just think, you know, look at Everton. He came on and he was brilliant, changed the game, scored a goal. Mm-hmm. I'd probably go Wendy over him, but I don't know, I don't know where I'd, I'd put them. I mean, I don't really think it matters if, you, you know, right, left, centre. They all kind of drift anywhere. I think yeah. I'd play Bailey. I'd absolutely play Bailey. I think he can be frustrating at times when he kind of tries to dribble with the ball and runs into people but I just think he's that wild card is the only bit of pace that we've got apart from Molly Watkins in a way but that that pure you know wide pace that we need I think I'd definitely play Bailey and what a finish at the weekend he's got that sort of instinct to score a goal as well which I think is always helpful mm-hmm. um, pace as well uh, Exactly. There was, a, yeah, there was yeah, a stage yeah. where he came back from injury where he thought, oh, he doesn't even look as quick as he did when he first joined. Like, if, yeah, yeah. Are his legs going to kind of recover? Is it are his hamstrings worn out? And I don't know, I'm kind of digging out players, but we've had a few podcasts where we've called him that he's got, you know, cheese string hamstrings or his bones made out of biscuits or whatever yeah. we've, we've joked about. But he looks fitter than ever. That's the biggest thing so far for me. You know, he's looked good in games, he looked good in pre season, but he's got through seven, eight, nine games now across pre-season and the start without getting injured, which is probably his longest spell with us without getting an injury. So that's the main thing for me, keep him fit, keep him hungry. He looks kind of semi-happy, I suppose, when he's scoring a couple of goals. You know, that's a, a dangerous asset to have. And the old cliche feels a bit like a new signing because he didn't feature much, much last year. Yeah, and as long as he stays fit, that's that's the main thing. And I know it was against Bolton, but that's what we want to see from him. You know, that goal where he gets out wide, he drives in, cuts inside and scores. That's, that's mm. what we want to see more of him. And hopefully that goal of the weekend can be that sort of springboard for him. That last spot, though, I would definitely have Wendy and Bailey in there. I'd quite like to see Coutinho and Wendy start, uh, you know, a game together. And I think if you've got Den Duncan and Kamara behind them, it gives us that licence to have a bit more creativity going forward. So I'd, I'd quite yeah. like to see that. But I think, again, you've got to be adaptable um, in terms of who you're playing. Potentially, Coutinho can play at home, but Wendy can play away at, you know, a Bournemouth, for example, and, and yeah, didn't quite go to plan that. But just, you know, an example, you know, away from home, tight pitch, slightly different sort of vibe of a game. Just it's good to have that flexibility. And I think we've definitely got that because, you know, in the past few years, we haven't had that flexibility off the bench. But now we've got a big squad. You've got to be able to adapt. And that's down to Gerard because, you know, he hasn't shown it so far this season. But he's got to be able to adapt during games and uh, against different opponents. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's a difficult one that going forward. Obviously, Watkins starts up top. I think he's he offers so much more than Danny Ings. Just the running. I think his holder play as well at the weekend was absolutely phenomenal. I think he was yeah, quite underrated. At the, I thought he was quite underrated at the weekend purely because of how good Ashley Young, uh, Louise Kamara, Mings was. I think he was quite underrated. I think he had a brilliant game. So, yeah, difficult one, but it's good to have the options uh, up front. Another potential option for me, Ian, he said he'd start to play Archer, but Watkins on the left wing is that that mm. left spot. Brendier, Bailey, Brendier's a 10, I assume. Bailey on the right, Watkins on the left with, I mean, you could put Archer or Wings up front, I suppose. Is that a potential option or is that kind of shoehorning in a player that doesn't quite work? Although he was a winger before, so it's not like he's never played there. It's an option. It's an option to have potentially during a game when, you know, it mm. might not be going well. You've got to change it up a bit you know, have more willing runners down the wings like Watkins is. But I just think Watkins offers way, way too much as a striker on his own um, to just shoehorn him in as a winger. And yeah, like you said, he was a winger, but he hasn't been for a few years now. So I just want to see him 
up top or potentially two up top with Archer because we know that Watkins goes out wide so much and then sort of what's in the middle then because we, we don't have midfielders who enter the box late and score plenty of goals. I've already said that. McGinn doesn't score enough. Louise doesn't score enough. Ramsey mm-hmm. has struggled in the last few months. So I think if you've got Watkins you know, and Archer up top together, Watkins running into the channels and then Archer just lurking around the box like he loves to do, that's an option to have. But I don't think, I wouldn't like to see Watkins out wide just in general. That's not for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, the stat that I kind of took me by surprise, which shouldn't really because it's, it's you know, pretty self-explanatory, but that was Ramsey's second assist for us and Bailey's second goal against Man City. Wow. The second goal and second assist. You think, well, Ramsey's probably got two or three assists and Bailey's probably scored a couple of goals, but yeah, only one assist and one goal before Saturday. Quiz question, do you remember what those games were, where those previous stats came from? That was Bailey's second goal for Villa. That's what I mean. That's what I saw elsewhere, and I'm taking that as well. Fact. That must be in the league because he scored a in the league, yeah. the, the Everton, obviously the Everton one mm-hmm. at home. I'm going to try and delay the Ramsey assist. It was, some, it was something oh, was like it? his uh, first goal in 320 days or something in the league because obviously it was September last year, wasn't it? Yeah. I think. Did, did Ramsey's assist for Coutinho count in the Man United two two start yeah. this year? That's the there one. You go. That's the one I've got. Yeah, when Coutinho come off the bench and. Um, Ramsey set him up for that, yeah. So Ramsey assists against Manchester clubs and Leon Bailey can only <laughs> score goals in September um, or in the first few games of the season. It might have been August, I can't remember. On Archer then, are you happy he stuck around or would you have preferred to see him go out on loan and score 20 goals in the Championship? Uh, I'd, I'd be happy if he, you know, I'm happy that he stayed as long as he gets more minutes. I think mm. not, I think the Bolton thing is a little bit difficult. I personally would have started him, but I, I can see what Gerard was doing because that was at such a difficult time that he just wanted to get the first team together and, you know, get them bonding and get them scoring a few goals and getting a win. So I can kind of see why he did it, but I want to see Archer more. I really, really do. I think, yes, I just want to see him score goals because we know he can... Do, we, I can kind of see why they've done it because we know he can do it in the Championship. We, he doesn't need to prove himself in the Championship now. He's done it. So mm. it doesn't matter who you're scoring against. If you can finish, you can finish. So... I just want to see him get more minutes, but while Watkins is doing well and we only play one up top, I think it's going to be difficult for him, unfortunately, but getting five minutes here and four minutes there isn't really going to help. So I just want to see Gerard, like I said, be adaptable and potentially just start him in a game. Just, mm. just why not? Why not? We know he can do it. So yeah, I, I want to see more of him. I really do. Question from Mark. He says, would you play Buendia over Coutinho uh, next six points from Leicester and White and Southampton at home and need six points? So I assume that's supposed to be. Um, yeah, Buendia or Coutinho? Have you got a preference? I bet you've got one of them on the back of your shirt, haven't you? No, I haven't actually. I haven't. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd, I'd go Buendia because I think Coutinho has been that disappointing. I think I'd bring him off the bench last 25, you know, 30 minutes just mm. to give him that. So when he's fresh, when players are tiring, I quite like to see that. But I just think Buendia's offered more. He has, you know, when he's come on or when he started, he has offered more. And, you know, the stat about Coutinho not being involved in a goal for however many game it is, it's, it's not good enough for me. I think he's got to level up for sure. He's posted all these pictures on Instagram this week of him working in his garden and stuff. But <laughs> proof's in the pudding, mate, when you're playing on the pitch. So, so far, yeah, I'd play Buendia on Saturday against Leicester and I would. And if he's not, you know, performing, you've got Coutinho there. So it's great to have an option. But so far, I think Buendia's ahead of him. Quick on, on Bednarek. We've not really spoken about him. Will Bednarek replace Conte at some point? Or has he been signed to have an option of the back three? Yeah, back three is, is something that we've kind of not really talked about much. Obviously, Dendonka can cover in a back three as well, like he did with Wolves. So you could have Mings, Chambers and Dendonka or, you know, Mings, Conte, Bednarek. Um, the Bednarek signing is, I won't say a panic, but it's a dead-on-day 
backup centre half from Southampton who also weren't playing him. So I don't expect him to come in and you know be our best centre half, but a bit of height, a bit of physicality, something different. A player who can want to come and, and kind of prove a point. Um, what do you make of that whole centre back department now? Obviously, the Carlos injury is a shame, but there's still three or four good players there. Yeah, I don't mind it at all. I think a lot of play, people were kind of moaning at the Bednarek signing because it's not, yeah, I agree. It's not very inspiring, but it does the job. You know, Carlos, he's going to be back at some point. He's not gone forever. Mm. Um, so, you know, as a loan potential to buy, I don't mind it at all. I can't claim to have watched loads of him apart from the 9 0 loss against Man United, I seem to remember. Um, so that's not a great starting point. But no, I don't mind it. He's, he's got plenty of appearances in the Premier League, you know, plenty of caps for Poland. So he's not going to be a bad player. So I think it's a decent option to have. And if, you know, at the moment it seems to be Cons and Mings who are the, the top two choices. So I don't mind it at all. If he has to come in, I wouldn't worry too much. Um, but yeah, it's standard signing. It's, it's nice to bolster up that centre-back part, uh, centre department a lot because I was a little bit concerned when Hawes left and we didn't seem to... It, loads of people were talking about centre-back, but it just wasn't happening and wasn't happening. So I was a little bit worried that we were only going to be left with three centre-backs. But four centre-backs, mm. all of a similar ability. I don't mind it. We've done we've done a half an hour Q&A here and you know the, the kind of optimism from the Man City result means that there's been no questions about Steven Gerrard, which is, for oh, me, nice. a, a relief. It's nice not to be... You know, are you Gerald out? It's should he go? Who replaces him? It was relentless in the in the couple of yeah. weeks before Man City. We'll, we'll touch on it quickly. Um, there's one that's just popped up from Colin Gibbs. He says, "Do you think Michael Beale was the brains behind the team last season, and that's why we've had a slow start to this season?" Um, so before we get into Gerald specifically, what do you make of that that kind of narrative that Michael Beale was the main guy, and that's why we're struggling? I could kind of see it, but then again, we weren't great last season anyway. We came 14, yeah. so it's not it's not like we came eighth last season, we were playing mesmerising football, he's gone and now we're terrible. It's not like that. Mm. So I can kind of see it, but then again, not really. I, I don't know. I think I saw a lot of Rangers fans, you know, when Bill left, I saw a lot of Rangers fans saying, oh, the brain's behind Gerard has gone to QPR. So I was a little bit concerned with that and there might be truth behind it, but I'm not going to read too much into it because we weren't great last season anyway. So I, I can't read too much into it, to be honest. Yeah, that's exactly how I feel. I think it's uh, kind of an easy, easy narrative, really. And it's something that, again, yeah. will be picked up by mainstream media that he's lost his right-hand man and that, that's going to be a big hit and gives mm. Gerard a bit of an excuse, really. But, you know, it's no excuses. That's what Gerard has, has banged on about before. So I'm not going to give him one, basically, because, you know, you've got to adapt. Yeah. You've brought Neil Critchley in, who is a promising manager at Blackpool. He should mm. be good enough to replace whatever you've lost in Bill. I know you've got to build up a rapport with somebody new, but, you know, no excuses, like I said. Um, just on Gerard, then I, I did say we talk about it. Lots of stuff about his future. People being worried about him. Is he the right man? Did we make the wrong decision? Will he turn it around? I asked Matt on the podcast before Man City. Have you seen anything, or have you seen enough to think Gerard will turn it around? And his answer to that was no. I asked him again after Man City, and he said a more kind of encouraging, you know, perhaps or maybe, well, not quite a yes, but certainly not a no either. Have you seen enough from Steven Gerrard in his last? 20 games, or in 2022, let's say, because that's where the, the struggles have been. The, we all know about the stat that it's you know, three wins in 17 or whatever it is at this point. Have you seen enough to think that Steven Gerrard will be the man to turn it around for Villa? I don't think I've seen enough, no. I don't think I've seen enough at all. I think, yeah, Man City was encouraging, but that's one game. I think if you take the the last what, 10, 15, 2022 20, as a whole, whatever it is, it hasn't been good enough and there's no getting away from that. And I think you've got to wait for another three, four, five games in the future now before you can concrete, you know, say for concrete definite that he has turned it around and there is signs there that he has. But I just think after one decent result, mm-hmm. I don't think there's enough there. And 
pre-Man City, I was I was really struggling with Gerard. I was struggling to get on board because I simply hadn't seen anything and we looked that hopeless. I think we all said it. Look, you're going into games, you can take it if we're giving it a good go and there's a definite system there and we're trying to play good football, but there was absolutely nothing there. That Bournemouth game and that Crystal Palace game were absolutely horrendous. Just mm. because there was there's no organisation, players, just little things as well, like even things that aren't Gerard's fault, just bad touches, bad passes and players not looking like they know what they're doing. I've seen way too much of that, unfortunately, to sway my decision after one game. So I am, the, the sceptics are still there. I'm still worried about it. I am because you've got to follow it up now. You can't just say, oh, it's all all right now after one game. You absolutely can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. There, there's still worries there for me. There is, but I just hope, like I said earlier, that Man City is a turning point. I want Gerard to do well. I don't hate him personally or anything like that. I really want him to do well. Because he's the Aston Villa manager, I don't care yeah, who's in the hot seat. I want mm-hmm. them to do well. You know, I don't care. So, I don't know. I want him to do well. But from what I've seen so far, I feel like we've regressed from the start of, you know, when he first came in. To take mm-hmm. Man City out of the equation, I think we've gone backwards. Um, so, I don't know. I just hope he can turn it around. I really do. Like I said, I want him to do well. I really, really do. Yeah, I, I totally agree with, with what you just said. You support the Aston Villa manager, whoever whoever that might be. And either there's two scenarios: Stephen Gerrard turns it around and we get better, or we sacked and his replacement hopefully turns us around and we get better. But there's no kind of proof that 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 works either. You might have that little bounce like we did after sacking yeah. Smith, but it still doesn't mean you're going to keep going up and up. What would you need to see from the next ten games, fifteen games, three games, however it might be? What do you actually need to physically see and say? You know, maybe a checklist. He needs to do this. He needs to do that to make you go, yeah. When I ask you again, is as Gerald done enough to turn us around to make you say yes? I think when I think I want to see what we saw when he first came in. I want to see us be hard to beat, defensively good. We went to Anfield when he first came in. We were brilliant. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, we lost to a slightly controversial penalty. Man City came to Villa Park. We ran them close. I think we need to... That running stat really bugs me where we've run the least in the league. That is the absolute basics. There's mm-hmm. absolutely no excuse for that at all. Um, so just more effort because it looks like we haven't been putting in enough at all. Like that Crystal Palace game, they haven't got better players than us at all. They haven't got better players than us. So we should be matching them for effort. And, you know, if they score a couple of decent goals, fair play to them. But we shouldn't be being outrun or outforced at all. Um, so that as well hard to beat a clean sheet would be nice and mm. um, hopefully those are the ingredients to Gerard turning it around yeah there's, there's still going to be some people that, that like the one I just put up for me in there if we lose the next two games I think he'll get sacked I mean we're on that kind of knife edge that it was one good performance against Man City mm. if you don't follow up with one win from the next four there's still yeah. going to be people going mm, this isn't quite good enough where, for where Villa want to get to so do we have to make a decision I think from a points perspective are you bang on there with what you just said about more effort and, and commitment and stuff like that if you look at those next four games and think you know if we were if we'd have got I say nine points from these first six I'll be looking at that next four going there's another nine points available there mm. another 12 well, yeah. points potentially whereas I'm now looking at it going you know what six is probably just about okay so like you said two points a game maybe six or seven you know, but if we'd had a decent start, you'd be targeting people like Leeds and Forest as people that you want to leapfrog and get above, and so you kind of have to win. Um, so yeah, I think from a points perspective, you'd want at least six or seven points from those those next four. If you get nine, better. Obviously, it shows a sign that you have turned a corner and there is something mm-hmm. there, and you can build something. That's a real statement to go out and go right. We've had a tricky start, but now we've got nine points from twelve, and we're, we're starting to turn things around. I think it's up to Gerard to get the best out of the players. At the end of the day, that's his job. And we've mm. got, I said it in my Premier League predictions at the start of the season, that 
outside of that top six, seven, eight, we've you know who who's got a better squad than Aston Villa? You look this at West awesome, Ham yeah. potentially, Leicester maybe they've lost a lot of players, so probably not now. Newcastle probably not. Wolves don't know. So it's up to the manager to get the best out of this very very good squad that we've got. And if Gerard can't do that, then you know hopefully there's a manager out there that can because it's been. <laughs> It's been long enough now, isn't it? Where we've been nearly, oh, it's next season. Oh, it's next season. Oh, mm. just give him a pre-season. Give him a transfer window. Da, 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 da. It seems like we've been in that cycle for so long. So it's it's now. We've got to do it now. Yeah. And I think you've, you're right off the first five games this season. Man City, that's when the season started. We go again. We beat Leicester. We beat Southampton. International break. That's your mini pre-season. We go mm. again. That's, that's the mentality you've got to have. Forget about it. It happens. Can't change it now. We've got to go again. Um, so I don't know we'll see I'm positive I am positive I was absolutely buzzing after that Man City game and hopefully Damn. that momentum can just stay there with me with the fans with the team and the atmosphere was brilliant I've got to touch on it the atmosphere at Villa Park was something that I haven't seen for years since the Everton game that everyone talks about it hasn't been that good for a long time and that's why it says look if the players if you give us that fight and you go toe to toe with these world class players from Man City we'll give it back as fans yeah. we'll give it back and that just kind of spurs them on even more so I don't know. I don't know. I am positive. I'm excited for Leicester. I'm buzzing to get over there and hopefully we can get the three points that we need. Yeah, spot on. Love that. That's a, that's my sentiments exactly as well. I just want Villa to win games. That's a basic basic thing, isn't it? We'll start winning yeah. some games and we'll all be happy. <laughs> Max, thank you very much for your time this afternoon and thanks to the Facebook Live audience for tuning in and basically feeding the show with, with questions. We do appreciate it. I've prepared three questions, so without the audience watching along, this would have been a very uh, short podcast. We've done 45 minutes, so Max, thank you for your time. Uh, if you've enjoyed watching this podcast please subscribe like the video all those usual things i should be getting you to do this you're the youtube expert um, if you want to uh, ask a question for a future episode you can go down into the comments and maybe we'll get max on once a month or something like that and we'll have a bit of a catch up and see how villa are doing at those stages uh, thanks everyone for watching and we'll see you again very soon cheers max thank you for listening to claret and blue and aston villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please do let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode but until then up the villa